Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm an expert in performance and mindset, supporting business owners to create exceptional results in life and business. And I achieve this through coaching, training, speaking, and my online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought business leaders create and enjoy success, and to identify the common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes. Head over to jeffnicholson.co.uk to register for my Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts newsletter, as well as all you need to know on how to connect with me on social media or join the Facebook group. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So episode 172, we've got a great guest, Sky Stevens. Now, Sky is the co-founder of the Association of Professional Builders, a leading business coaching company dedicated to improving the residential construction industry for both builders and consumers. Since 2014, Sky has been helping builders double their size of their businesses through profitable growth. The Association of Professional Builders excels in providing cutting-edge systems, world-class support, sales and marketing training to the construction industry. Sky, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Now, obviously, you're over in Australia, and probably no doubt it's sunny where it's windy and miserable here. Well, you know what? This has happened on the perfect day. We've had terrible weather, but yes, today is beautiful, actually. <laughs> Nothing like rubbing it in. Um, before we dive into the, the conversation, could you give us a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the company we have at the moment, it's called the Association of Professional Builders, so APB for short. Um, And that was only born in about 2014. So it's been quite a journey to get to that point and to where we are today. Um, And the story goes back like more than 10 years ago. So I don't know, do we have time? Do you want to get into all of that? (laughs) Yeah, why not? Let's talk. Let's let's literally find out the origins. Why not? Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 So, um, in APB, two co-founders, it's myself and my father. So Russ Stevens. Um, and, um, you probably actually can't tell you've got way more British accent than me. Um, but we're from England. Um, I moved over when I was sort of in my teens. So it sort of slowly left my accent and I sound very Australian probably now. Um, but we moved over from the UK. We moved to Australia and um, Russ had um, created a company um, selling safety documentation to builders. Um, so a very interesting change from what we were doing in England. And um, this is all while I was you know, finishing school. And he had this safety documentation business. And if he's honest, it really wasn't that fun. Um, selling safety documentation to builders. It's not a fun sale. It's, it's something they have to have. They're not excited to buy. Um, so it was like safe work method statements, construction plans, things like that. Um, and every time he would make a sale of this documentation, he'd just keep chatting to the builders, um, you know, getting to know them. And basically any, any, any builder would always get excited when we moved on to the topic of talking about marketing. Um, you know, how to get more leads, generate more leads for a building company, closing them. That was an exciting conversation for both Russ and the builders. Now, um, by this point, we sort of like working this out and seeing what was actually interesting for builders. I'd finished high school and I'd just gone into university. I wanted to get into marketing. So I started doing a marketing degree and it's a very short stint at university because I realized very, very quickly that this syllabus was way out of date. Um, when I went to university, it was 10 years ago and, um, you know, they're just still teaching really old school advertising, like absolutely nowhere in the curriculum was Facebook or social media. And, you know, you can see that that's where it was headed. Um, so I did not want to waste 
what was that? Like three plus years of my life going through something that's completely out of date and getting left behind the second I graduate. So I really, really just didn't see the point in that. So I ended up leaving university. Um, and Russ and I then created a digital marketing agency for builders, went into doing self-learning, literally finding the courses we could online about Facebook ads, about Google, learning that and putting it into practice, generating our own leads to generate leads for builders. So we had a marketing agency, um, and that did really, really well. So we did that for ages. Um, it was so much fun. Um, literally generating leads and, you know, callback requests and opportunities for builders to build these custom designed homes all over Australia and New Zealand. And um, we got to a point where there were like two camps of people uh, with the clients we were serving. You could generate all the leads in the world for some builders. Why would some builders thrive and, you know, just go win, 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 next level, next level. Then there was another camp of builders and they weren't doing too great. And they would constantly complain, the leads are rubbish. You know, this isn't working. This, you know, this doesn't work. It's, it's different for me. Um, so like, okay, that's, that's interesting. We know it works everywhere else. So um, we started digging a little bit deeper. One of our core values is never make assumptions, ask more questions. So um, another one is also to trust, but verify. So sure, completely understand what you're saying here. Let's just understand a little bit more like what you're doing. So we started digging a little bit more and tried to really compare what makes a builder thrive and what made one think the leads are terrible. And we actually compared them side by side. It wasn't a problem with the leads. It was actually a problem with the builder's sales process. The builders that would thrive would get a lead and they were excited. They had a sales team. These sales guys would call them within seconds of a lead coming through. They'd get them on the phone. They'd move them through their sales process. Whereas other building companies that were struggling would get the lead and think, I don't want to look desperate. So I'm going to wait a day or two. And they weren't calling them. Um, they, they didn't have a good qualifying script. When they did call, um, they called once. They didn't try and follow up multiple times if they hit voicemail. So it was really quite revealing when we were seeing the differences in these you know, two different types of builders' follow-ups. So we ended up taking over some of those sales calls and we would call the leads immediately with a proper script and was able to qualify them and get them into a meeting with the builder. And suddenly the leads were great again, ironically. So um, it was such an insight for us. We were like, okay, there's big opportunity here. Um, we need to really teach this because there's a massive gap for some builders. Um, you can generate all the leads in the world, but I think we need to get into some sales training. So we launched um, a sales training arm to our company and, and our marketing agency. And within nine months, that just took off. That was just next level. So um, we realized, okay, we're on to something here. Um, this is where the demand is sales training specifically for builders, like exactly what to say on the phone, how to leave a voicemail, text messaging, emailing them on follow-ups. Um, we went through it all and that is what absolutely took off. And it's interesting because we almost saw what we did see the same problem happen. So you could generate all the leads in the world, but some builders couldn't close. So then we launched sales training. You can generate all the leads in the world. You can help them close. How come the business was, you know, some businesses, not all, would still be unprofitable? How come they could still go under? How come they had trouble retaining staff? And it just became this next level. Okay, if, if we do coaching, not just sales coaching, we need to cover it all. So that's when officially in 2014, we launched the Association of Professional Builders and it's an exclusive coaching company, like exclusive to residential builders, but we coach you on the five main pillars, sales training, marketing coaching. So essentially how a construction company can roll out themselves, what we were doing for builders, sales, marketing, uh, business operations. So systemizing the business side um, and the operation side of the building company, financials training. Um, so even from back to basics, how to read profit and loss statements and balance sheets to pricing jobs, accounting adjustment formulas. And then finally, self-development. So leadership trainings, productivity trainings. So it really can help the owner of a residential building company in all areas to really thrive and grow safely and securely. And, and that's what we're about. And that's how we got to where we are today. Wow. Wow. Okay. So there's so many things about that. So the, the, I guess the first, the couple of questions around that, the first question is, um, 
obviously you were very very good you and your dad were very very good at understanding the power of niching to specifically focus on the um the build the construction industry um why do you think and this the the question there is is how why do you think that or why what how have you identified the power of niching what would you say to those people who are looking at starting out and who who are thinking well i can serve everyone you know, because quite often, you know, when, you, when you're just starting business, it's like, sod the niche. I just want to help every single person in front of me. Um, and obviously that creates its own problems. But for you, what is the power of niching? Well, ironically enough, this is one of the first things we teach in any of our marketing coaching for builders, because let's, let's talk about niching in a niche, right? You've got construction, you're a residential builder. Builders can build anything. Of course, they can build a new home and they can do... Um, renovations. They can even build decks. They can build custom furniture. They can build anything. They have skill, right? But a jack of all trades is a master of nothing. So why are you going to advertise? Yeah, I can do anything. You're basically saying I'll sell anyone with a pulse and that's not attractive. So (laughs) what we want to do is if you're in a niche like construction, then find a sub niche. Are you a custom home, like a luxury home specialist or a major remodel or renovation specialist like we can gut your entire home and you know deck it out or whatever your your sub niche is going to be because when you are a spec like okay some someone's in front of you they want to build a custom new home but they have a very difficult block it's a complete slope um it's a very difficult block to build on they look around they got two builders in front of them one is a builder that can do anything they build decks pergolas um, conservatories, they build new homes and they do renovations and anything in between. And then the other builder you're looking at is a sloping block specialist. Who do you think that consumer is going to go with? I would say the sloping block specialist. And you know what? The sloping block specialist is going to have higher margins as well because there's so much trust built in the fact that they are a specialist in that type of work. People would go like climb over people to get to that person first. Yeah. Yeah, great example, great example. Because I think it is, it's it's one of those challenges that, especially in the early days, you do just try to help everyone. But of course, as you've as you've highlighted there, the difference is is marketing becomes very very challenging in itself because you just you don't know who the heck you're trying to supposed to be attracting. And then when you really know your niche, you get very clear on your avatar, basically what's known as your ideal client. So if you know you only work on sloping blocks or, you know, very narrow lots um, to build a new home, you think, okay, the, the homes that I have built for that or the clients that I have worked for, what was similar about them? Okay, well, you know, they were all married. They're about mid-30s. They had a brand new family. Then you can really start marketing to that audience and your marketing gets better. You generate more leads for the people you want um, and you can increase your margins as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The second question is, um, without characteristing or profiling builders, how how um, obviously there's certain builders that, you know, they just want to concentrate on building the properties and, and that's it. And then all of a sudden to go into the sales side, the marketing side, but especially the self-development side, how how challenging was that at first about attracting your target audience into that bit and getting them to maybe buy in's the wrong term, but you'll know what I mean, to sort of go through that process? Because, you know, it, it's... Um, up, up, up in the northeast of England were shipbuilders and farmers. And when you start introducing meditation or, or sort of that sort of thing, it's like you can immediately see that characteristic sort of going, oh, not this crap again. You know, so how, did, how do you sort of get that, that buy-in for that sort of thing? This is wonderful because this comes back to niching, right? Someone has that attitude and mindset, you're not for us. And that's fine. You know, but you're not going to be a fit. There's no sense in you joining APB because what we have is a community of like-minded builders and you want to protect your tribe. So we protect our community. We will only bring on people into 
you know, our membership, because it's a community, everyone can see each other in our Facebook group, right? You want to protect that community of having everyone who's similar to one another. And this means having a growth mindset and open to new ideas and new opportunities. Anyone who thinks it's, you know, a load of rubbish, you know, don't want to waste our time in that. I just want to build, you know what, that is great but you don't need to be a part of this to do that. Like you can just keep doing that. Our builders are looking to create wealth, build a systemized business that doesn't need them and looking to improve every area of their lives. So that's really interesting. So it's a mindset of you can't sell everyone. Not everyone is closable and you don't want to. Um, So actually parking that um, idea to start with that, you know, you just want to do a land grab and grab everyone you possibly can. You're going to hurt your brand doing that. Um, but then secondly, like how we get the, the, the clients with the right mindset, that's where it comes down to proper marketing strategy. It's not a buy my stuff, buy my stuff kind of ad. This is specific content marketing. So we throw out a ton of content to get the right builders involved in what we do. And this, this is just free, helpful information. We do a ton of blog articles, heaps of email marketing and a lot of video content. But again, it's all just pure value based on how, you know, as the owner of a building company, you can increase your sales with these three tips. And the builders who want to increase their sales by following some advice will watch that and then build some trust with us over time and then go, hey, how can I get involved with you more? I like this movement. And then it happens quite organically. I like that. And the other thing is, is um, there's the, the, I think the power of the content marketing, isn't it? It's the the confidence in your own brand, but also the willingness to share strategies that people don't have to pay for. Oh, yeah. I mean, the internet is out there. People can get free tips from anyone. You just better be the one supplying it. Otherwise, you're getting left behind. Tips like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the other things you've you've mentioned a couple of times is that systematize, um, is that even a word, systematization? Systemizing, uh, whatever it is, um, you know that 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 formulaic approach to business, which often it doesn't matter what business it is, is when you introduce the systems that work, it can dramatically increase the performance and the productivity, and ultimately the results that you're doing. Um, what sort of when you're looking at it from that, what sort of systems do you look at when you're helping your ideal clients? Well. Systems are amazing for so many reasons, but the, the biggest reason I think is it allows you to scale because you cannot scale a business, let alone a building company without something written down of how to do something correct every single time you do it. Um, especially like a construction is such a good example. You absolutely can't get very far without a schedule for the home you're about to build. You need to know what's coming up and when and when materials need to get ordered by and who's on site on what date. Like you've got to be organized in that space. So professional builders, they got that down pat. And so we come in and really help them systemize the back end of it. And what we start with, because it's the most important thing, creating a company manual is a massive job, right? You've got Um, you know, all of your administration that happens, you've got your sales, your marketing, financial operations, um, day-to-day operations, meeting structures. It's, It's a whole big deal. So if you chunk it down, park your company manual to one side for a second. If you had to pick one manual to make first, work on your sales manual. This is from your first inquiry to all of your follow-up calls, meetings, um, asking for the sale, objection handling, closing, how to process a sale, everything. If you can work out your sales manual first, that can help you scale. And then you can move on to the operations and you can move on to delivery. Okay. Once we've made the sale, how are we onboarding them? What's, how are we, you know, getting them from A to B, for example. So it's, um, it's, it's A going to help you scale, but B you got to pick the right system to systemize first, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, the challenge always is, is do you find that they leave the sales to last? Because it's, it, it's funny, isn't it? Is it's Sales is such an intrinsic part of business and, a, and an important part of business to create revenue. And marketing is there as well. But do you find that for, for, for some builders, obviously not all of them, they 
they don't necessarily warm to sales first because they do have that nervous feeling about having those conversations or closing a sale or, or whatever. Do, have you ever experienced, do you experience that? Oh, for sure. So many people think sales is a dirty word. So they'll know, you know, I'm not a salesperson. I'm just very nice to my clients. That's how I'm so good at selling. Okay, cool. Write down what you do though. So that's how we'll always overcome it. Cool. Whatever you're currently doing, write it down. And then they'll sort of work out that they don't even have any sort of structure to it. So we, we at APB actually give systems to all of our builders. We've got a proven sales blueprint. Here you go. Um, use that in your building company. This is what works. And you can follow it point by point all the way down, right? till you get the sale. Um, but the question before, like, do you find that that's like creating a sales manual is something they would do last? Not necessarily. I think the idea of creating any sort of systems in a manual in general, because it's such a big job is so overwhelming. It just gets parked and, and, and not done for so long. So it's not necessarily last. It's just not done at all. Yeah. Long's gone the days where they're just right on the back of a cigarette packet. <laughs> and that's, it's all sorted. <laughs> Yeah, the consumers are way too advanced now. So we got to make sure all of our systems are as advanced, if not more advanced than them. So we can guide them through to help them. You got to remember that um, we are selling a product or, or service, I suppose you could say, building a home um, that enhances their lives. So we're doing them a favor if we can make their decision easier. Let's provide them with good information. Let's be professional on the phone. Let's call them within seconds of the inquiry. That helps them get what they want. So um, and it's a win-win because you're providing a professional service and you get paid for that. Yeah, and I suppose as well as we're living in the times now where we demand information quicker and we we are more liberal with letting people know if it, we aren't satisfied with something because obviously with the, with the platforms and stuff that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the it's one of those double-edged swords that they're quite they're, although quite often is they rarely say oh they've done a great job but they'll certainly say how rubbish it is very very quickly or what they're not satisfied even if it's not the full truth. Yeah, yeah, very very true. And and this is why again if you have proper systems in place, we know that people of their own bag are more likely to do negative reviews. How what if at the end of every project and during every project you're asking for reviews along the way because a lot of people just aren't asking for the positive reviews. And if someone's happy, they're more than happy to share that online. So, and and that's where systems can come in place. It's just systematic approach, ask them, ask them, ask them. And then you can get this constant flow of five-star reviews. Okay. So before we just jump over to the next question, a little bit of a, uh, well, two questions, actually. Number one, what's it like working for your dad? Uh, so we're co-founders, so we're, we're partners, yeah. Oh, you're co-founders, okay. All right, that's even better. That's a better relationship. I worked for a fam- my family business and it was it was a little bit of a challenge. Although I suppose one of the questions is, how do you deal with you both owning the business but separating family time and work time? How do you sort of balance that out? Do you find that whenever you're there for the barbecue that all of a sudden work comes into it or can you both manage that conversation very well? I love this question because I could so lie and be like, no, we're perfect. We never talk about work outside. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, let's be honest, work is such a big part of our lives. This is our company and we're so passionate about it. Yeah, we can just get excited and start talking about new ideas constantly. But we are very aware because we have other family members that will just, you know, we've got a few few trigger words that that can stop us and then we be present. If, of course, it's I don't even want to say the word struggle because we love it so much. It's probably a struggle for other people, but <laughs> it's, um, no, work is work and we make sure we have um, the opportunity to see each other as a family as well. Like there are always family events you have to go through as a family. We'll try and get together for dinner each week and have it as a rule. No work. This is, you know, catching up about our personal lives and make sure we're all good. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a structure and a system. (laughs) It is. Yeah, I know. We always, it was, it was sometimes, 
with with my family it was like all of a sudden it was like literally we would be doing one thing and then the next thing it would be something and then the whole family would be involved because my uncles my mum my aunties my cousins everything was in the business so it was like oh no I would just you would just hide when you were young because oh they're talking about shop again so let's just let's just run away so for some families it can be quite a challenge yeah, I think I think it's boundaries, right? So you've got to have rules on certain things. What's also interesting is um, what we'll do is we'll have a working lunch um, with a couple, like another family member who's involved not in the day-to-day operations but um, at a higher level. So we'll have a working lunch where all we do is talk about work. So when we have a family dinner, we've already – done our talk we don't need to talk about that again this is all personal so it's 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 structured in such a way that it's built not to fail if that makes sense okay no that's cool and the final question is um how have you found business during the covid during during the covid during covid um how have you uh, what is your experiences with that well it's interesting Obviously, it was a a big nightmare for so many businesses around the world, Um, especially having pivot, like having to pivot to move online. A lot of brick and mortar businesses not really getting, you know, used to employees coming into an office, having to move remote. Fortunately for us, we were already remote. So our entire team already worked from home. We're an internet company, so to speak. So we service not just Australia, but New Zealand the US, Canada, and the UK as well. So we were used to working all different time zones. We had people in all different parts of the world anyway. So um, our company actually thrived purely because when, you know, it was about March that, you know, there was so much uncertainty and it was, you know, very nerve wracking for a lot of people. There was a lot of um, anxiousness in the marketplace. Um, Everyone had to make that pivot to working from home, setting up their teams and their companies to actually accommodate that. We were already there. So what we were able to do was focus on our pivot so much quicker than anyone else. Um, So we were able to make real specific content, an entire new training course, free um, like webinars and online presentations for our clients and even non-clients. And we made an entire course around pivoting, how to plan a plan, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, creating a plan B basically how to survive the upcoming recession. So we met that entire training for all of our members. We coached hundreds of our members on it within a week. And then once our members were sweet, we released it to every builder in the marketplace free of charge because it was too important. Um, And doing that, actually being able to help so many builders at such a scale because there was so much uncertainty in the marketplace, it really allowed us to help so many more builders than we ever could because we don't have to focus on getting everyone set up to work from home we could just get on making this training and getting it out there. Um, and, and because of that, we have grown so quickly. Um, so it's actually been really, really good for our team. Um, we've managed to employ so many more people. Our team tripled um, in, during 2020. And um, yeah, we're still growing now. So it, it's actually been quite good for us because we've been able to help so many more builders because um, they're, they're actively looking for coaching, mentoring, sales training, you know. So it's, yeah, for us, it's been quite good. And also, I suppose the the specific type of personality that you're going for, they are being proactive and looking at how to pivot and how to do it. So because you, 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 you're using the right type of strategies, you know your niche and everything else, and you're attracting the right type of people, then therefore they're going to maximize on the benefits from that rather than the other people that are sitting in fear and being stagnant and not moving. Absolutely. I mean, the members that were with us pre-COVID for a year or more thrived. So many builders thrived in general in COVID. The amount of stimulus governments were throwing out to get people to, you know, spend money on property and construction. Um, That helped the entire industry anyway. However, um, in our trainings with our members that we provide, we've always told them to prepare for this. There's always going to be a black swan event. There's always going to be a downturn and you've got to be ready for it. That's when you spend more on marketing. That's when you spend more on advertising because when there's that much uncertainty, people start pulling back. So our builders were leaning in 
to this, you know, impending doom that looked like it was coming for us. They spent more on advertising. They generated so many more leads. They signed so many more contracts and they're booked out for the next year, one to two years. So, yeah. I love that because there is so many businesses that when things, um, things happen like this, the first departments they get rid of is marketing and sales which always baffles me and it's just it's not logical is it it's it's very very odd and that's out of fear and probably as well i'm gonna say a lack of knowledge because that is the backbone of any company and if you if you have to do those kind of layoffs out of fear what was the business set up to start with because Everyone needs that rainy day emergency fund for these downturns so you can make very logical, non-emotional decisions and focus on the business, not make knee-jerk reactions to what is happening in the media and the world. Um, you want to be very calm. And that's that's why we came out with our builders. Um, it's about being very, very calm right now. Make long-term decisions. Um, think a year ahead, two years ahead, not just what's happening this month. Yeah, no, that, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for sharing that. And we're going to go to the second part of the show where I get an opportunity to ask you a set of questions. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So the first question is, on average, how much time do you roughly dedicate to self-development during the week? That's body, mind, and spirit. Mm, I On average, I think you've got to go... Um, on average, and I'll go conservative, I'd probably say at least five hours because it's about an hour every working day um, at least. Um, obviously, sometimes more, never less. It's at least an hour every working day. And do you have um, do you have a specific um, pro- a thing? Is, do you generally focus on a, a wide range of things or do you focus on sort of your knowledge or keeping physically fit or, or is there a preference? Sure. Well, I wasn't even thinking of, of that. I suppose you did just say body, mind and spirit, but yeah, I'm thinking of personal development, actual learning, like committing to learning. So that's, that's an hour a day during the week I'm committing to learning. Um, elsewhere. Yeah. There's a whole fitness routine in there. So yeah, there's probably way more hours. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional self-development book. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, I'd probably say, and again, this is a, one of the first books I was reading when, you know, we were setting up our companies. Um, have you heard of, you know, the compound effect by Darren Hardy? That, that always stuck with me. Um, because I, I think that's very much our approach, you know, small, tiny habits over a long period of time gives you phenomenal results. And it's, it's that whole, you know, you never hear about everyone's an overnight success, right? You never see what happened prior. And that's, that's really what we've always like worked towards. You just got to keep going, keep growing, keep improving. And it's like crazy. You blink and you're like, wow, it's been 10 years, but then you can look at how many you know, builders we've helped and coach. It just all adds up. So the compound effect by Darren Hardy has always stuck with me. And ironically, um, I read another book at the start of the year called um, Atomic Habits. Not sure if you read that. Um, James Clear um, reminded me so much of the compound effect. Um, seems identical to me but because it's basically the same premise right so that was like a really great refresher but i would say that one had the most impact over the last 10 years um the compound effect yeah what i found fascinating about atomic hatton's habits was the importance that he put about processes and 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 um and systems to get everything going rather than thinking of just a goal it was to realize that it's the systems or processes whether you do it in your own life or whether you do it within your business that actually generate the the big result yes Yes. I loved when he was talking about, you know, every um, athlete, of course, their goal is to win a gold medal. So that's not the goal. The goal is to become the person who wins the gold medal. What do they do? Okay. They train this much. They have these habits. And 
as soon as you think about it like that, you're like, yes, that's very actionable. I really, really like that. Yeah, brilliant. Um, number f- uh, three is what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? I'm so glad you said business. Um, <laughs> um, personal life, I have no idea. Um, but th- this probably impacts my personal life as well, being so OCD. There is an amazing app, and I can't believe we only found it last year. Um, have you ever heard of the app ClickUp? ClickUp. Yeah, a, pr- a productivity uh, app, is it? Like a project management tool? Yes. Pro- yeah, it's basically project management. And we were looking for an app that did this for so long. Like I'm talking trial to Sana and then Monday.com and then back to Asana. I went to Teamwork. I went through every app possible. No idea why ClickUp didn't come up for our, on our radar for over a year and a half. Um, finally stumbled across it randomly. Um, and we only use it in one part of the company. It's just exclusively for our marketing team and it manages all of our marketing product, uh, projects. Um, but the, the, the main thing that we were looking for, so Asana and Monday, they're all like big lists, right? Um, click up, um, you have like workspaces, but every person on your marketing team, you can drag around your projects and have everything assigned. You can look at different views and it's a capacity planner. So you only keep assigning work to people and, you know, you can hear someone say, oh, I'm so busy. I don't think I can do it. Um, It makes sense because apparently you've given them 14 hours of work on a day that they only had capacity for six. You're like, right, this makes sense. So the capacity planning is like game changer. And, you know, we've planned every launch and every product and every initiative for the entire year. It's all in there and we know who's available for what. Um, that is an incredible app. So yeah, anyone looking for an actual um, project management app for their team, again, if any builders are listening to this, please don't use that. Use a building specific project management software. But in terms of, yeah, managing company projects, um, especially marketing, ClickUp, I love it. Yeah, a member of my uh, one of my mastermind groups has just moved over to it and she was saying how great it was. So it's funny, all of a sudden it's coming up in several conversations. Well, um, it's incredible. Um, when we first got onto it, um, obviously it's cloud-based software, so it's just like a URL you can whack in Chrome. Um, there is a mobile app, which is really great actually to get all the notifications of people taking things off. Um, but as soon as we found it, we were like, how did we not find out about this? They have so much funding and they have the biggest development team. They were literally doing an update and like a product enhancement every single week last year. That was their goal. Um, they had an end of year, um, summit, I suppose you could say, where they did all these different presentations on what's upcoming for the next year inside ClickUp. And they're, they're an incredible company to watch because of how much effort is going into this app. And again, so much money, they've raised so much money um, for this app. The amount of money going into development is insane. Whereas you look at some other apps and you can see all that capital they raise goes into their marketing. <laughs> Yeah. And also, is, is for, even from a point of view, it's, it, there's a free version as well. So it's, it, it would allow you to test it out without investing any cash as well. So it's not, it's not a bad. Yeah, that must be how I got started. And it's, you know, it's not even expensive. Like, I mean. No, it's not. I'm looking, I'm looking at it now. Even bit, the business level for a month, monthly is $19. So it's like, it's, it's peanuts, really. I think like with any software though, you can get so overwhelmed by how much you can do in it that it becomes very stressful and you feel like I don't have time to do it. So when we ever implement a software, we pick the one thing that's going to be the most beneficial. And we just use that. It's just, you know, one bite at a time, um, slow and steady. So we literally got in there just to have tasks assigned to people so I could see capacity. Now we're since planning every launch, every event, we've got month end on recurring. So on certain days of the month, certain things happen. You slowly, but surely it's a compound effect, right? This is why it influenced our lives so much. You slowly, but surely introduce a new feature. You watch another training video, you tinker with this, you tinker with that. And especially when you have a team, you know, you can assign that to your team members as well. People take ownership. They want to go look at this feature. They then build a recurring task. They figure out what did, what didn't work. They can share it with the whole team and you can brainstorm and really grow quickly as a group. I like that because you're almost introducing the play concept to your staff members to sort of just have a try themselves. 
Yeah. As long as they use the core thing with what you're trying to do, but then I'm going to have a go at this. Absolutely. Oh man, you got to empower your team. I think this is why we've been able to grow so quickly because we have smart people on our team. Like we've got a very, very, very detailed recruitment process to get the best people on board. And so when you've got the best people on board, man, these are smart people. So yes, here's a new software. This is the what we're going to implement. Here are the training videos. Here's what we're going to do. Um, every single week, every single team member comes up with an idea small, big, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. Um, but this is how people start thinking. Like I had an idea. Did you know we can put every single month end procedure on here on rotation? So we don't have to think about it. So all our capacity is planned when it's the first week of a new month, our whole marketing team is swamped because there are certain things that have to get done, you know, because it's all time-based in some marketing things. So they were able to automate that. So everyone's capacity goes lower on the first week because month end always seemed to sneak up on us. And everyone comes up with these ideas. If you came up with that idea, we all love it. It's a thumbs up, go and implement it, go for gold. And people love that. They get to take ownership of projects and it really empowers people. So yeah, gotta, gotta let people do their thing. When you be because of the the you know because you've been successful in generating such a, a great team, do you do profiling characteristics or what is the strategy that you do to get that? Yeah, so um, the way we recruit is pretty different. Um, the whole process is gamified, so you know we don't look at anyone who applies through um, the job ad. So in Australia, for example. Um, there's a website called Seek. That's the biggest job hunter um, website everyone would go to. You put your ad on there, um, but you can apply through Seek. We never look at people who do that because there are clear instructions at the bottom with what you should do. Now, if you're applying for a sales role or a marketing role or whatever role in the company, it's all different instructions at the bottom because it gamifies what they're supposed to be doing. So if it's sales, they need to call this phone number and follow instructions. If it's marketing, we'll say to apply, um, send an email to this email address with a markup of this advert spotting every typo and grammatical error you see. So we'll, if anyone's on marketing, we want you to be so detailed, you can spot a typo or a grammar error or whatever. So we look for the markups that get sent. Um, you know, then, then there's multiple other tests and interviews from that point. We've got a little phone interview. We got like a competence test, a few actually built in that weeds out. We get for every hundred people that apply for a certain role, we only employ one. That's, that's the ratio as we sort of worked out. So we really just try and weed and weed and filter and weed. And what's amazing is by the time you get to the end, everyone who's joined the team, everyone else knows that they had to jump through as many hoops as them. So there's so much mutual respect between everyone else on the team because like, yeah, they made it. Yeah, like special <laughs> forces training. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. On um, question four is what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? This is such a good question. Um, so this would be all the way back when we had our marketing agency. Um, we launched a product for our builders um, and essentially we wanted to give builders like here's a complete ready-made lead magnet. So we would, you know, want to do lead magnets. And, you know, when we got a client on board, we would make one specifically for that client so that we could promote it, obviously give it away for free in exchange for an email address. We'd obviously do a lot of content marketing and tell builders, you've got to have a lead magnet, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's very hard to just get people to do a lead magnet, right? It's um, it's a very big concept. It's It goes in the two hard baskets. We wanted to help builders. So we created one. It was a free guide, seven things you must know before designing a new home that builders could buy. It would be in a Word document so they could customize it, whack their logo on it, and then put it on their website and advertise it. That's their ready to go lead magnet. It saved them, you know, about a dozen hours of writing and getting a graphic designer to make it look good. So we created that lead magnet um, for builders. So we mapped out the content um, and we 
put it all together. We made it look good. It was in this word document and we sold it. It was, it was a tripwire, uh, basically a very low value sale just so that we could get people into our sales funnel, have a bit of a conversation, see, you know, if doing their advertising was worthwhile, um, but a low enough cost that a lot of builders could buy it and get value out of it. And I, I don't remember how much we sold it for. I'm not going to say it was $7. I think it was like $27 um, that we sold this like ready, ready to use, but also editable guide to. And it was the a big thing. It was a whole email campaign, like thousands of builders on our database and um, had this campaign. It was a launch, went to a sales page, blah, blah. And it was like, great. We sold so many. We thought it was so great. And um, slowly but surely emails started like trickling in of really, really unhappy people. And everything we do, we've got a money back guarantee. So you're not happy. That's fine. Here you go. Here's your money back. And um, we started getting tons of emails, just really not happy, really unsatisfied because unfortunately we didn't get it proofed before we sold it. So there were typos throughout the whole thing. Oh, and it was so, it was just, it was super embarrassing really. Um, because it's just such a basic fundamental. We got it on so many checklists for whatever reason. I don't like quality control just disappeared on this product. We were just so excited. Um, so yeah, it was, we just didn't get it proofread before selling it. And um, this is why we have a very advanced marketing team now. Quality control is the biggest thing we look for. That's why we've got that um, set up in our recruitment. So this is just us putting it together. You know, it's a bit, um, a bit crafty or a bit scrappy. And, um, you know, it looked good, but it was just littered with typos and it wasn't as good as it should be, especially if you buy something. I mean, even if you give something away for free, like it, it, it's got to be better quality than that. So, so that was um, pretty embarrassing. Um, we gave out dozens of refunds. We just gave everyone their money back and um, learned from that experience for sure. Um, um, number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them (laughs) i think going back to what you were talking about before um family business that adds another element of complexity that's for sure um no in in all seriousness though i think um structure i think sometimes you just have to put in the time um put in the time, um, put in the time for work, plan your breaks, plan your fun, plan your social. Um, I think being systemized and very structured. Yes, this is a theme here, but I think if you do want to ever have balance in quotation marks, um, how do you deal with that? It just takes being very, very organized. So when you are at work, work, plan your break. When are you going to leave? When are things going to get done? And then, yeah, it, it can all work out, but you just have to stick to your own structure. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting. I was going to say, I'm not a pro, but this is just what helps me. <laughs> well, no, because it's interesting because I know that when I moved away from being employed to starting my own business, I was like, the, I, I had visions of being the ultimate rebel because I like creativity and I love flexibility and everything. And it was probably within about six months that actually structure gives you the best best flexibility in the world because it, it sets it down in stone on what you need to do and when. Yeah, I um, every time we interview people, and I think this is especially true anyone in marketing, it, I don't know. I don't know what marketing does to some people, but especially people who've worked in an office. And I remember interviewing a couple of people and um, we've always done work from home. This was a few years ago at this point or a couple of years ago. Um, you know, we're talking about working set hours and they're like, oh, it's, it's work from home. So I want to be able to go to a coffee shop and, and bring my laptop there and get creatively inspired. And then I want to go over here. I'd love to live in Bali for, you know, a few months and work from there. And I'm sitting there going, okay, you clearly never ever worked from home that it doesn't work like that you need multiple screens you need structure you need you can't just work off a a laptop and be a nomad that is a dream that is sold by people who have a team behind them working with three monitors a proper keyboard setup a separate mouse and good internet connections it's um it just doesn't work otherwise and and so you can really spot people who who need to go through that hurdle first because it's too expensive for you to pay someone to learn that gap. 
Yeah, it is. I always laugh because it is, it is that is exactly the type of lifestyle I thought that I was going to get <laughs> when I started my own business. And it wasn't until you're, like, you're sitting in the, as you say, you're sitting in the cafe and it's like, I'm literally only getting one megabit of data and this file is going to take about six hours to download. Or, or and. <laughs> And it's noisy and you get distracted. Someone's, you know, yelling at the barista for putting in like a different kind of milk. And you're like, geez, I just need to. You've got kids running around you and dogs running underneath you. It's all sorts of. And again, I'm going to point out you only have one screen. Any marketer worth their weight has at least two, if not three. So you've got to have a proper setup. Yeah. Well, but that's that's another important thing, isn't it? The environment. I'm saying that my desk looks like the Starship Enterprise. I've got that many screens and stuff all over the place. But you do you do really appreciate floor space in sets of screen when you do marketing or video editing or something like that. You can't do it on a 13 inch MacBook. It's just, or even though, even dare you try living solely on an iPad, it's just, it just becomes, it just becomes a big, big challenge. It's absolutely bizarre. I've always said I really would love to create like a staging office, the one that just looks beautiful and like is amazing. Because the one we work from, it's messy. We got whiteboards, we got screens, we got cables. It's not aesthetically pleasing, but it gets the job done. But you want, you want to be able to look at a nice office every once in a while. <laughs> um, okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? That's a really, really good question. Um, and I, I'd probably say that the people you start with when you're starting your business aren't always, some will, but they're not always going to grow at the same rate or speed that you and or your company is growing. Because if you're wired for growth, you're learning and you're personally growing so quickly as the company is. And the the people you bring on at the start um, potentially aren't always going to have that same pace as you. So you have to be prepared to bring in people um, above them to, to manage them and people that are, you know, that are higher than them or at least a higher caliber as well. Um, you have to be prepared to bring in better, better people because your capability as a leader will improve. So you'll be able to attract better and better people as well. You can't get those kind of people right at the beginning. If you're not there personally, there's a great concept in, um, um, there's this book, um, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership by his name escapes me. Um, he's written all these books on leadership. Yes. John Maxwell. Um, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and, um, the fabulous book. I'd just read them all anyway, but there's a law in there. It talks about, you know, if your leadership scale one to 10, um, a lot of people can start out as like a four or a five. Say you are a four or a five, you will only ever be able to lead fours and threes. Like essentially people blow you. You'll never be able to get nines or tens unless you become a nine or a 10. So as you grow, that's the goal. You want to be able to get there. You've got to be prepared to take on better people. If the people who started with you aren't growing at the same pace, um, they're still probably perfect at their place or whatever they're doing. Maybe, maybe not, but you've got to be prepared to bring in higher and higher caliber people. Have have you um, and your dad been good at being able to let go of certain responsibilities within the business as you've been as your as your management role has become more and more important as the business has grown? How, because that's often quite some of the big challenges I see with some of my clients is is that ability to let go of something they've they've worn every hat known to man within their business. And then all of a sudden is they've gone, right, we've got a marketing team now. That's their thing. I need to run, obviously lead it, but I don't have to do the everything about it. Um, I'm going to say, yes, it's pretty easy for us. And I want to caveat that, but just by saying it's not our first business. So um, Russ in England um, had a distribution company. So over 50 employees, basically like uh, operating a warehouse, so a distributor, high revenue, teeny tiny margins. You had to be 
dead systemized um, because there were tiny margins. You had to know everything. It was like clockwork, getting deliveries in, deliveries out to, to actually make it a profitable business. And he sold that company to move us to Australia. So he's all over that. That's not a problem. But because that was my role model, I got to see that. I didn't really have a problem with that either. So, um, yeah, it's, I think our personalities as well, it's, it's, you can't operate and help as many people as you want to help. If you're stuck doing it, you've got to have good people on your team. So yeah, personally, I can't wait every time we bring on more and more people. It, 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 you know, gets easier in quotation marks. Um, you just have different problems, right? It's, you just got to learn to operate in a different way. And um, question number seven, what is your personal definition of success? Ooh, my personal definition of success. Um, I feel really stumped on this one. My personal definition of success, I think achieving what you've achieved. I think, I think it's, I think it's achievements and that probably sounds really obvious, but you're not a successful person or an unsuccessful person, um, you're successful in some areas and in some challenges, right? So I think achieving your desired outcome, um, and that's, that's different for everyone. So how do you define success? I think when you've achieved your goals and they can be massive, um, or just those short little wins each day, but I don't think you're either, you know, successful or unsuccessful. I think you're unsuccessful at tasks and you're successful at others. And so it's compounding them to actually have that bigger achievement, which then gives you more and more success. I don't know if that makes makes sense as an answer, but. No, it does. It's one of the reasons why I asked that question is because it's, 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 I think we're consumed by pursuing someone else's. And I think it's when we can learn to identify what ours is and, I, I personally believe that ultimately we all want to be happy and fulfilled in what we do, but to get to that destination could, it very much depends on our own experiences in life. So to, you know, we can look at God forbid Instagram and they've rented a Bentley and rented a house for the day and said that this is what it is. But for some people, that's not what success is. So it's just about, helping people who listen to the show to see that you're not wrong in what your definition is because 173 people have come up with their own different answers. So you're in a safe journey sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It is what you make it and everyone's going to have a different definition. And like you say, to some people having a Bentley is success, but that doesn't make, in my opinion, it, and again, that's just mine, it doesn't make you a successful person, but you were successful in that achievement. Like you got that goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure we we have all read about people um, who may have that Bentley, but they're still not happy. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got to have, you know, you know, well-rounded goals. So, you know, when I get to doing any sort of quarterly planning, sure, you may have financial and materialistic goals. What about your health goals? What about a fitness goal? What about a love and relationships goals? What about a friendship goals? Are you doing the actions? Like, are you calling a friend every week? Are you doing, you know, you've got to have other goals and yeah. Yeah, totally. Question number eight, the final question is, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge positive impact to your day? Um, absolutely. And we can't say surfing because that's a little bit sort of. <laughs> no, I wish. Um, definitely being English cannot surf out here. Um, <laughs> um, look at daily routines or rituals. Um, look, I, I used to be one of those people that would exercise every single morning, but especially with time zones more and more, I'm having to start work earlier and earlier and earlier. So I actually can't do it. So it's not necessarily at the same time every day, but it is absolutely exhausting yourself doing some form of exercise, um, each day. Um, to get that mental clarity. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, We've come to the end of the interview. The floor is now yours. How can we find out more about you? Um, We have a a large listening populace over over in Oz. So um, how can we find out more about you? And um, please take it away. 
Yeah, amazing. So um, yeah, if you are a custom home builder or a renovation specialist, um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can dive onto our website. It's apbbuilders.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, just at apbbuilders and uh, on Facebook as well, the Association of Professional Builders. Uh, we post tons of content regularly. So even if you just wanted to stay in the loop with some free stuff, um, free tips, advice, um, and obviously like even download our sales process for free, um, you'll be able to find that on the website. Um, that's definitely gonna be the best way to stay in touch. And if you wanted to connect with me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn, just at Sky Stevens. Thank you so much, Sky. Um, just finally, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time out of your busy day and wishing you the greatest success. Yeah, absolutely no problem. Look, thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really enjoyed it. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.